Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Oil and gas and its future uh, is in the news well, seemingly every day in this province, and with good reason, right? I mean, it's been the biggest economic driver in this province for decades, and things are changing. Far too often, though, uh, that harsh reality reduces Albertans into two camps. Good. Needs to go for the sake of the planet. Shut it down. No more oil. Or don't you dare say anything that threatens or represents any kind of change from the way we've always done things. And unfortunately, neither of those positions are reasonable or realistic. And that we, we can't get trapped into this all or nothing argument. We do it all the time and there's nowhere to go. We put ourselves in a position where there, there's no place to make progress there. Now we can talk about Lots of really good, interesting debates around this issue, right? Like, we can talk about the pace of the transition. That's a very interesting conversation, and we've had it before, right? Are we going too fast? Are we ignoring the realities? of All those sorts of things. Really interesting conversations and meaningful. We can come to some sort of understanding on that, right? But we can't overlook the fact that it's happening and what other opportunities might it present for us because there are opportunities out there it's not all bad um you know when you take a look at oil and gas we get trapped into the old you know we're going to put it into our gas tank and burn it but there are other uses for oil and gas and and they may well continue that's the point being made in a recent piece by our next guest markham hislop who is an energy journalist and publisher of energy news markham thanks for joining us appreciate your time as always sir Always a pleasure, Shane. So in this piece you wrote in the TIE, you argue uh, that Alberta, and in fact not just Alberta, but, but Canada as a whole, is really in danger of missing out on an opportunity if, like I say, we just cling to the past. And if we say, no, no, this is the way we've always done it, we're going to continue to do it, we're, we're overlooking opportunity, right? Yes. And maybe the way to approach this for your listeners is to think of this as two uh, models of how the energy transition is going to progress. So the, I think it's fair to say that Premier Danielle Smith, the oil, the oil and gas CEOs, uh, the Alberta business co- uh, community are all pretty much in the, it's going to be a slow transition camp. And, you know, they, we have our, our own Canadian uh, scholar on this, Professor Vaclav Smil, University of Manitoba, is the preeminent global uh, academic around energy transitions, but, uh, written many, many books on them. And, and he talks about how they take 50, 60, 70, 80 right. years. I mean, yeah. these are very slow things. And, and they, I know because I've interviewed enough uh, folks uh, in the industry that the expectation is we're not going to see peak oil demand globally until about 2040, maybe 2039, and it'll slowly, yeah. And 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 so there is an argument to be made for that, and and the, the leadership in Alberta, I think, is clearly in that camp. On the other hand, there's also a lot of uh, analysis and scholarship around a fast transition. You know, I mean, we're talking about the International Energy Agency, mm-hmm. who, who would be the, the leader, and who now is calling for uh, peak oil demand perhaps as early as 2028, 
probably no later than 2030. I mean, in in industrial terms, in economic terms, that's like the blink of an eye. Yeah, yeah. And and so what I what I argue in in this piece is that in fact uh, Alberta. Uh, well, remember what our moms used to say, uh, Shay. You know. Uh, hope for the best, but plan for the worst. Yeah, sure, of course, yeah. And and of course, what Alberta does is hope for the best and ignores the worst, <laughs> uh, because if 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 it turns out, and I think there's plenty of evidence to show that the that we're more likely to have a fast transition than a slow transition, then we get caught short. Well, you know what and, the thing is, though, Mark. But just a second before you continue. The fact of the matter is, nobody's denying there is a transition. And what you're talking about, if you right. take the, the the slow approach or the fast approach, you're looking at 15 or 20 years. It, like you say, it's not huge chunks of time. This is happening. We all agree on that. It's And the difference is 15 or 20 percent. That's not that big of a difference. It isn't. And I've been involved in this discussion for a long time, Shay, in, in Alberta. And it was only, you know, four or five years ago that there were plenty of people denying there was an energy transition. So kudos. We've made some progress. We now all acknowledge that there is an energy right. transition going on. And that's a good place to start. But now we have to weigh up the risks and the opportunities and the risks of ignoring the fact that there could be a, a, a quick transition is really significant given the amount of capital that has to take place, the strategies that have to be put in place, the industries that have to be developed. This stuff takes a long time. And better, I argue, that the better approach to this is to say, you know what, what if we could as international markets, and we're really talking American markets here for uh, for Alberta oil, as they decline over time, because they're not going to decline, they're going to disappear tomorrow. Right. And I think everybody's agreed that, that even the federal government, even those hated Trudeau liberals, will have said on the record that they're going to let market forces determine supply. So as the market comes down... Like they had a choice. Alberta... Yeah, like Alberta producers will compete until they can't compete anymore. But what if what if we develop domestic markets for that oil and gas so that as the global markets de- slowly decline, the domestic markets slowly rise? That way, you can essentially keep the oil sands production, you can keep your conventional production, you can keep your gas production, but instead of burning it, you turn it into things. You turn it into... and. If you have been watching the news, Shay, yeah. uh, just yesterday, uh, Calgary-based Carbon Upcycle announced a $26 million uh, Series A financing. They take captured CO2 from the Shepherd gas plant, and they turn it into stuff. They, they, take, they put it into concrete. Uh, they, make, they make ink for uh, Nike shoes. They do all sorts of things with it. Alberta is a leader in this. Turning captured CO2 into products like cloth and and uh, vodka and all sorts of other things, and we're also a leader in figuring out what to do with bitumen. Bitumen is an amazing, amazing resource. It's a it's a, a molecule that looks like a sheet, and the scientists I've interviewed say that it's it's perfect for for uh, using in materials manufacturing, like carbon fiber. Mm-hmm. Want, just one example. What if we built those markets over the next 10, 20, 30 years so that the not only would we maintain the jobs and the economic activity that comes with extracting the resource, 
but then we would turn around and use it inside the province to build carbon fiber manufacturing plants and carbon fiber precursor plants and we and all of these other things you know the the like the carbon upcycle would scale up and employ people here then we could have diversification in a way that Albertans have always wanted. I mean, it's been a big issue in Alberta for decades, and we could build that diversification using our own resource, which the people of Alberta uh, actually own. Mark, how big would it be, though? This is a question, and I, I think it's a great idea, and I love it. But you're talking about what, you know, we're, we're one of the big suppliers of a global energy process, right, and have been for decades, which is billions and trillions of dollars. What kind of market are we talking about with this alternative use for our resources? All we have at this point is Alberta Innovates, and I'm talking about the bitumen beyond combustion uh, opportunity here. All we have is a white paper that was produced by Alberta Innovates in 2021, where they think, and remember, there's three three million barrels a day of bitumen produced, but the part that can go into, part of the barrel that can go into, uh, say, making carbon fiber is only half of that, the bottoms, the asphaltines. And so you've got maybe a million and a half barrels. So what is, is, can we build a market that can take all of that million and a half barrels a day? We don't know. Alberta Innovates thinks, thinks we can. They think the opportunity is is huge, it's global, and that we, we, uh, we it can be done, but we don't know. There are no certainties in this, uh, Shay. All we know is that change is coming, mm-hmm. and we have to jump in with both feet and, and innovate and invest in that innovation and then try to scale it up. And the people I talk to think it can be done, but, you know, there are no guarantees in this. Uh, but we have to do something, and this is a great strategy that could uh, essentially make Alberta more prosperous than it's ever been. At the heart of this is convincing a lot of people, right? I mean, uh, you've got politicians that need to convince, and they've got a lot at risk here. I mean, like you say, the federal liberals, you know, they they, they talk about climate change and all the rest of those things, but they'll let, you know, they'll let the market dictate. They make billions off this. So does the Alberta guy. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, political capital involved here. Of course, there's there's the, the job activity in Alberta, and we know how dear that is to so many people in this province. You need to do a really big job of convincing people that it's okay okay to explore other opportunities because it all seems threatening. Are we seeing that happen anywhere? No. And this is, if you look at uh, the uh, strategy that uh, Premier Danielle Smith released just before the election, it's called the Emissions Reduction and Energy Development Plan. There is some of this new, you know, new energy like hydrogen, for example, and there is a passing nod to bitumen beyond combustion. So it's not like the oil companies and the government doesn't don't know that these opportunities are out there, but they're very much on the fringes right now, the fringes of the conversation. And, and I argue they need to be brought to the forefront of the conversation and, and serious capital put into this. And this is why I titled the column, Dear Canada, Alberta Needs You. What Canada brings to the table, and I hear I mean primarily the federal government, but you know, there's other provinces cooperating uh, is important too. It brings capital. It brings a lot of money. It's going to take billions, tens of billions, maybe hundreds of billions of dollars over the next 20, 30 years to get this job done. And, and Canada has the resources to help Alberta. It has regulatory powers. It has trade powers and authorities and, and, and institutions. And there's so much that 
by embracing what Canada can bring, instead of all these you know, petty fighting that we yeah, see yeah. almost every day, we get away from that and we had a more cooperative relationship with the federal government so that Alberta could take full advantage of all of those resources as it begins this pivot to a post-combustion future, that I think is, is absolutely critical. And, and so that's what I'm arguing for, is a change in thinking about how we think about our hydrocarbon resources. Think of it as a different, different uses for the same resource that could make Alberta far more powerful, well into the, or prosperous, well into the 22nd century, instead of just riding oil and gas, you know, as a feedstock for refineries, ride that to the bottom of the market. That's that's not much of a future. You know, you're right. And it makes perfect sense because then you've still got the benefit for the people that are involved in oil and gas and want to see that industry continue. Okay, it's continuing. And at the same time, those who are talking about we need to change what we're doing with oil and gas, and that's primarily around combustion, let's be honest here. Uh, the federal government can stand up and say emissions. There are no emissions. We're shutting that down. We're moving into another area. Um, everybody seems to win here eventually at the end of the day, Markham. Exactly right. That's exactly right. We can we can we can eliminate emissions because we have a climate crisis and that needs to be done. We can attract a lot of capital, which so now we've got the business community happy. We can create lots of good new, uh, you know, good paying jobs, technical jobs, particularly for young people. Young people no longer want to go into conventional oil and gas into the into the industry. They even shut down the petroleum engineering program at the University of Calgary uh, because people don't kids you know don't want to go into it. And so we can create new opportunities for them that don't exist today. The kind of the represented by Carbon Upcycle. I interviewed a couple of people from Carbon Upcycle. They're in their 20s. They're doing this amazing, groundbreaking global work. And, and these kids are in their late, late 20s, early 30s. Good on them. Like, let's support that kind yeah. of innovation yep. and support it in a big way because it will provide alternate domestic markets for those hydrocarbons as global demand declines. Sounds like a no-brainer. It really does. Markham, good stuff. Thank you so much for being here today. I appreciate it, as always. Always a pleasure, Shay.